T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. doesn't feel like we've missed a step. You know, obviously it's going to be different. It's a different voice in the headset. It's a different mind calling the plays. The verbiage is still the same. The protections are still the same. Uh, obviously, we've switched up a couple things here and there with concepts and, and thought processes and stuff like that. But, again, being able to, to call the same play and understand our players know this play like the back of their hand, and it's just our job to go out there and execute. This is the game of football. Everything that we did last year and the year before has no effect to what we're going to do and hope to accomplish this this next coming year. So we got to start fresh and, and learn how to improve and, and keep finding ways to improve. That is Bills quarterback Josh Allen there talking about Ken Dorsey, the Bills' new offensive coordinator. Joining me on the West Her Hotline is John Ellis. He is the, uh, you can hear him on The Roar, which is a podcast about the Panthers on Blue Wire Pods. He's also a writer over at Fansided. And John, you can speak well of the Bills' new quarterback coach, Joe Brady, who was the offensive coordinator, Matt Rule's first two seasons. Um, why don't we start there, John, before, well, before I do that? How are you, John? And welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on, my friend. Oh, uh, Nate, I'm doing great. I appreciate it. We, we continue the Buffalo-Carolina pipeline tradition in the world of radio now. I'm glad to be joining you. And, uh, yeah, certainly uh, uh, glad to be back on your air and ready to talk a little Panthers with you, my friend. Sweet. Before we get into the actual Panther side of this, again, Joe Brady, right? The Bills, they go out, they replace Ken Dorsey, who was promoted to offensive coordinator when Brian Dable left to take the head coaching job in New York, and Joe Brady comes in. And from all accounts, so far, Joe Brady and Josh Allen have been hitting it off. What ultimately went wrong in Carolina that that Joe Brady, you know, had so much success at the college level, and of course, young and an experience in the NFL level. But I think there was a real, there was real thoughts that Brady was going to be kind of the next young play caller in the NFL to get that next NFL head coaching job, and it just didn't work out. Yeah, you know, it was, Nate, a real leap of faith, I think, by uh, Coach Matt Rule, who, of course, came from the college ranks. And Matt later admitted to us in one of the pressers that, you know, this is something that uh, he felt maybe was out of his comfort zone, alluding to the fact that, you know, hiring a, an offensive coordinator with limited play-calling experience to begin with and none from the NFL level – uh, I think he kind of, in hindsight, not not regretting the fact they built a relationship with Joe Brady because I don't think the relationship was fractured, but I do think there was something to be desired in terms of what Matt Rule wants to do. Now, I think the, the world of Joe Brady, I like his route concepts. I think he's got a very creative mind. I do think him, in context of Buffalo, because I know that's what your listeners want to know, it's a coup. It's a great move. The fact that you guys did lose Brian Dable 
look, I, I can't say enough about this pipeline that continues. You got <laughs> Ken Dorsey, who did Ken Dorsey did wonders with Cam Newton for years in terms of uh, his work with Mike Shula, Ron Rivera, and that offensive staff. And now you've got Joe Brady, who you know, despite some of the criticism late last year, look, when he was fired, he was fired on a bye week. Things were not looking good offensively. The run game was anemic, but a lot of that had to do with a bad offensive line, uh, a, a bad rotation of quarterbacks, uh, and honestly, just a stable of running backs that were not going to supplant or replace the, 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 the lost value of Christian McCaffrey, who was on the shelf by that point. Uh, I think you get a great quarterback mind. You get somebody from the Sean Payton School of uh, Coaching. I, I've always loved that concept, and I think he'll do a great job picking up the mantle uh, where Ken Dorsey left off and helping that great young quarterback who reminds us all of prime Cam Newton, by the way, down here, Josh Allen, help him take it to the next level. Yeah, and it's that running style. I mean, it's just the rare mix of speed but power um, and those yeah. strides. I mean, it he does have a lot of those prime Cam Newton traits, especially as a runner. And, John, like, you know, you you, you mentioned Christian McCaffrey, and we'll, we'll get into him in a second because I think, you know, some of the fantasy owners here listening on the radio kind of want to know, like, what what's the outlook this year for McCaffrey? So we'll get into that in a second. But the quarterback situation has been and will continue to be one of the most interesting in the league because this is a team that has a former number three overall pick and Sam Darnold they go out they draft Matt Corral this year and they're the team outside of Seattle that continues to be connected to both Jimmy Garoppolo but maybe more interestingly Baker Mayfield what if if I were to ask you to predict today it's October 10th and it's week seven or whatever it is who's starting at quarterback week seven and is it the same guy in your mind that starts week one well to, to answer that question, let me start off by saying I'm not a gambling man, and it's a good thing I'm not. I, I don't go to Vegas on these type of issues for this reason. I have no idea. I honestly don't. Here's what I can narrow it down to, though. It'll be one of four guys, in my opinion, in, in no particular order. Sam Darnold, Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, or Matt Corral. So let's just kind of frame it there. They've had some conversations with Cam Newton. I don't believe anything is imminent there. And I think they saw what they had to see from Cam last year. Now, I, I still have a great deal of belief in that guy that he can rejuvenate and, and still give you two more good years as a solid starter based on the tape and based on some of the limitations in New England. But let's structure this conversation around those four guys. Baker Mayfield, Carolina has gone to great lengths to try to investigate a possible trade with Baker Mayfield You know, since this all started falling out with the Watson acquisition in Cleveland. Draft night, I, I don't want to say it came close, but there were conversations. The sticking point remains Carolina, in my view, being diligent and patient for once, which is nice to see in terms of let's not overextend in terms of taking on too much of his contract. Cleveland reportedly wants to take on about half of that 18.5 plus million. Carolina wants to take on about five, maybe six, maybe even four million. And that's that's based on my own sourcing, but this was something that Jonathan Alexander from the Charlotte Observer had put out a while back. Ellis Williams came on our show from the Charlotte Observer and talked about this as well. So it's sort of common knowledge now that Carolina does not want to overpay for Baker. They want to take their time. They feel like with Matt Corral, with Sam Darnold, maybe with a better healthy offensive line, and the offensive line is much improved, at least on paper, than it was this time last year, maybe Sam you know, you make that bed, you lie in it. You take that last year on, that fifth-year option, you see what he can do, and if things plunge a little bit, 
you go in with Matt Corral. Just quickly, the wild card with Jimmy Garoppolo, I would keep an eye on that. Our good friend Mark Schofield, I know you know Mark well. Mark came Absolutely. on my show. And Mark, Mark, Mark even called me out in a nice way on, on one of his articles at USA Today and like said, hey, I know it's going to make John Ellis cringe, but Jimmy Garoppolo could be part of the Carolina mix. And I, I say that because I've looked at Jimmy's tape and I worry about his limitations yeah. outside the numbers. I worry about the fact he's only started nine games a year since 2017. But, but Mark Schofield's right. He's a great fit for what Ben McAdoo wants to do. Intermediate passing, quick processing, if he can stay healthy. The caveat here is wait and be patient because I, I do think the 49ers could release Jimmy Garoppolo based on a couple of factors. Number one, his health, that $25-plus million cap savings yep. that would come right away. And the fact they've got to pay Debo Samuel, and that clears the field for that. And how long are they going to sit Trey Lance? I don't think much longer. So if Carolina does see an open market for Jimmy Garoppolo as a free agent, they could sign him for a more veteran-ish friendly deal and bring him in the mix. I think a lot of people in that building, to, to kind of put a bow on this, prefer Garoppolo over Mayfield. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably there with you, especially in in the locker room. I think, you know, uh, Garoppolo's a guy that that has a little bit more at least respect across the league because he's been to a Super Bowl. He's he's taken teams deep into the playoffs as, as early as last year in the NFC Championship game. But John, like where does this franchise stand with Sam Darnold? Because and I'm wondering Part of the reason that I think they find themselves in this situation is I still think people are really still scratching their head at taking J.C. Horn and not taking um, uh, and, and not taking uh, Fields last year in the draft. And I think that was that was one of the more easily predictable mock drafts was Justin Fields to the Panthers, and it didn't happen. And it's not like Fields went out to win the Rookie of the Year or anything last year, but you know, choosing a corner over you know, maybe addressing the franchise quarterback situation. What Would you say that that is more of a indictment on what the franchise felt it has in their head coach? Um, or do you just think, well, they invested in Sam Darnold and we're going to let this thing go and we're going to see how this works? Yeah, no, I don't think they were out of the mix totally for Justin Fields, but here's the sense I got from talking to a scout who was close to that operation during the time. But first of all, Mac Jones, who they coached at the Senior Bowl, was never in the equation on draft night. So that was never going to happen. And to be fair to Mac, he's done a great job fitting into a nice scheme and system. And he's insulated a bit in New England with a good running game. But I don't think Mac in Carolina would have looked like Mac in New England. It would have been a bad combo with the offensive line woes. Justin Fields is a different story. Now, I'm going to put this caveat out there, too. J.C. Horn, and it's some bias here because he – played right down the road here in Columbia at University of South Carolina and was just an outstanding corner. One of the few guys that could match up with like a Kyle Pitts and really take him the distance. And that those three games last year on tape were outstanding. I think he's going to be a great corner. They did go out and trade for C.J. Henderson, and, and that altered their draft capital as well. So they, they're kind of heavy on young corners now, which is good in a league where you need them. I to me, Justin Fields was a guy that they really never considered at that mm. spot. Now, there were talks from the ownership down, and I think David Tepper has been quarterback hungry. Let's just put it that way since day one. I think Tepper would have been the one in that building to have wanted to pull the trigger on Fields. But to his credit, he's given Matt Rule, Scott Fitterer some room here to operate. I, I don't know about Justin Fields. The jury's still out. We'll see how he operates in the NFL. But I do love his athleticism and his cannon. It's who I would have taken. Um, 
is that an indictment on Matt Rule? You know, I think and up until this year, Matt Rule has been front and center in terms of personnel decisions. He's been the guy. That has been a little less so this year, but he still technically, from what I'm told, has final say in a lot of the roster. Mm. So moving forward, the fact that they had already signed Sam Darnold up for $18.9 million, I mean, that's kind of, to me, they had already made enough of these moves where they're kind of chasing the dragon, if you will. Yep. Maybe just sit tight. Maybe let's just play Sam. But but then you say that, and after that, they still go after Watson. Yep. <laughs> to the right, they right. Still, they, they still, before that, they tried to get Matt Stafford. They did a lot of things to try to enrich the quarterback position, um, and they've struck out on all of them. And I don't think that's an indictment on rule necessarily. I just think, look, Carolina, uh, they have decided to take this long-game approach to rebuilding, but in the same vein – They've done some impatient things along the way. It's been an aggressive rebuild, um, and it hasn't necessarily yielded a lot of wins. I think that's where the frustration lies for folks down here in Carolina. And and obviously the guy at the center of this whole thing, Christian McCaffrey, has not played enough football games over the last two seasons and has hurt their ability to stay competitive, especially offensively, that doesn't have that quarterback. You know, I, I would argue that the the best friend of a of a poorly a poorly performing quarterback is going to be Christian McCaffrey. So when you think about that, what is the outlook for him this year? I mean, he was he was the discussion of a lot of trade talks. In fact, a lot of them involving the, the Bills potentially trading for Christian McCaffrey. Um, now that that's over and he's a Carolina Panther, what are you expecting from him this year? And, and is there a real thought that he can stay healthy and this is a player that could potentially move the franchise back into uh, into their winning ways? Yeah, look, McCaffrey's everything to this offense. Let me just put it to you that way. DJ Moore is a very effective player. He's gotten better in his routes. Robbie Anderson had a down year, but I pin a lot of that on the performance of the quarterbacks and the offensive line because if you can't get vertical, you can't do what Robbie Anderson does. Yep. <laughs> so right. the, the, the protection was there. But McCaffrey, he's the X factor. You look at everything. Let me give you a quick example, and I wish we had access to all 22. I wish this was visual, but if you guys want to go back and look at Sam Darnold's touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson last year, week one against the Jets, pay close attention to McCaffrey. His pass protection pickup in the backfield made that happen it's the little things nate that that mccaffrey does that they missed out on i think also the fact that they got deontay foreman from tennessee who Mm. was a highly effective power back last year down the stretch love that move love the fact that they're going to probably just from what i'm sensing use mccaffrey not less but smarter and you, there's this whole notion that I oh, just put them in the slot. Well, you don't just put them in the slot. You flex them out to the weak side there. You let them run some option routes. He can run those Texas routes out of the backfield. But he can split wide from time to time. He can take the top off the defense. Mike Shula did a lot of that in year one with McCaffrey when he had limited reps. And he was probably most effective per rep, if you look at it that way, in 2017 based on total value. Because 2019, look, he went for 1000 thousand. He deserves a lot of credit yeah. for that. But that, that was really, at the end of the year, dump-offs, check-downs, just sort of amassing, accumulating. And it's his credit. He went the distance in a horrible year when a lot of guys didn't. Can he stay healthy? That's the big question. I don't sense that he's, like, injury-prone. He's not a guy that has this one nagging thing that keeps coming back. He had kind of a freak injury last year. Things have happened to him that have been unfortunate. He had his ankle landed on him. He had a shoulder kind of go down the wrong way. He's built very, you know, as you've seen, obviously he's built like an NFL running back. There's nothing missing there in terms of his structure. I just think a guy like that, if he can stay healthy and look, give you 14, 13, yeah. 15 games. That doesn't have to be, you know, 
17, 18, if he can give you more than half a season, he can tilt the the spectrum there from maybe like like Buffalo game last year. Look, if they had McCaffrey in the mix with Newton, I know Newton didn't look great, but if you got McCaffrey running option routes and you've got that safety valve there, especially with the lack of tight end production with Greg Olson out of the picture now, boy, that's a big weapon. And it opens up a lot. Plus, he's a damn good runner between yeah. the tackles. So, yeah, if they keep him healthy, obviously he's the X factor here. If he's healthy all year long and this offensive line doesn't jumble like he did last year, they could make the playoff run. I could see it, but it's got to go down that way. And I say that even with like Sam Darnold or a Matt Corral at quarterback, but they've got to keep McCaffrey right, limit those touches early, use that workload effectively, and give Dante Foreman some of the load because he can, he can bully you, man. You can follow him on Twitter at One Panther Place. That's John Ellis. John, thanks so much for joining us here this afternoon on your Saturday on a holiday weekend. Enjoy the holiday. Let's do it again soon, man. Hey, go Bills Mafia. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you, man. John Ellis there on the Western Hotline. You can hear him uh, on his podcast, The Roar. It's on Blue Wire Pods. He's also over on Fansided and iHeartRadio for college football. Uh, it's going uh, to take a time out here because on the other side, we've got Kevin Adams, Sabres GM. He was on uh, earlier this week with Howard and Jeremy, so we're going to play that back for you right now here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, gang, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. We're going to bring you the Kevin Adams interview. He was on with Jeremy and Howard earlier this week. So we've got Kevin Adams here, the Sabres general manager. Well, toe drag move. Oh, scores! Holy man! What a goal! Top shelf backhand from Adams, and we're tied at one! This is a highlight goal. Butter up the GM with highlights of his goals from his playing days. Huh? Oh, no, I won't do it. I, there's, I don't want to insult the GM to start the interview, so because he'll hang up on us. Um, let us go right to the Western Hotline because we are joined by the general manager of the Buffalo Sabres, Mr. Kevin Adams. Good morning, Mr. Adams. It's Howard and Jeremy. Do you recall, do you recall every goal? Well, I didn't score that many, so I should, but um, I wish this was on video. I, I think I just heard uh, a goal I scored. It would have been nice to watch it, but uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I remember that particular goal um, against the Rangers, but I don't. I don't know if I could remember every one of them. That was indeed against the the New York Rangers, yeah. Um, do you have a favorite one from your, your playing days? Well, I think, <laughs> Sabre fans, uh, this was like the story. I mean, certainly everybody remembers the first goal you score in your career. And, um, you know, I made my debut in 1997, and I was – I had breakaways. I hit the crossbar. I got sent to the minors. It basically took me, the long story short is it took me a couple of years to actually score because I was like, 
up and down, and then I scored against the Sabers in my in my, my first goal. And I actually asked our broadcast group this year if they could go back in to hear if RJ made the call, which he did, and they sent it to me. So it's kind of a cool um, story for me to have, uh, even as opposing um, player, to have RJ make my first uh, goal call. Also, Kevin, you know, I know it. It's a little sensitive, and we've had some fun with it in the past about you winning the Stanley Cup. But, um, let, you know, the other night, the, the Avalanche raised it. Do you do you watch the ceremony no matter what every year? I mean, is it the kind of thing that, you know, for someone that is that has been through that, it's it's special even seeing anybody else get to go through that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I have such respect for the game itself, just for the this amazing game that I'm fortunate to have played my most of my life and I'll be part of. I have so much respect for the people behind the scenes and the, the youth hockey rinks and the people driving the Zambonis and just youth coaches and all the way up through junior and college and professional levels that make this game work. And so I just, when I see the Stanley Cup, it makes me think of all those things. And I mean, I sit there and with tears in my eyes because it's just so special, and it certainly brings back um, a lot of memories for what I was fortunate enough to be able to do as a player. But i got to be honest, sitting there watching the other night and seeing the sacrifices that uh, the players make to win that and just what it means to them, I immediately start thinking about our team and about our, our city and what it would mean, and um, it just uh, motivates me every, every day. Well, as you look at Colorado, I mean, Tampa's won it twice in a row. So, you know, there's there's that. They've got the pedigree of a cup champion. You see Colorado, who gets, you know, to the top of the mountain finally, and it's kind of the natural thing that we all do when it comes to the end of a season. We look and say, all right, what did they have? What did they do? How did they build? And as you look at either Tampa for two straight years or Colorado this year, is there a common theme you see about the way that they play, the way that they have built? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that jumps out, and it's truly – you know, what I believe you need to do is you need to draft well, you need to develop your players, and you need to retain, you know, your core of people that uh, kind of to build and move forward with. And both those organizations are certainly shining examples of that. They've obviously made some really critical trades, you know, just to add key pieces um, at the right times. But you can tell they've built a culture of uh, of players that just, care about each other and, and, and want to be great and push each other. And so, you know, I think that's an example. I mean, I sent Joe Sackick a text right after saying, you know, congratulations, but also it's a, it's really cool to see someone that had a plan and the patience to stick with it um, and have it, see it come, come to fruition. So it's, uh, I think that's what, that's one of the things that jumps out at you. And, um, you know, it's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to build this the right way with the right people and you have to make tough decisions at times but you also have to be disciplined and patient and and let your players grow one thing that jumped out at me kevin about their build is the number of trades you know they have got a bunch of draft picks of course but you know looking up and down their roster there's an article at nhl.com there were two free agents i think it was nikushkin and darren helm and there's the draft picks, McKinnon, Landeskog, and, you know, Cal McCarr. But a lot of players acquired in these little trades, or, you know, some of them bigger than others, the Kadri trade, and uh, Kemper is a trade. And all up and down their roster are these these just kind of pieces-in, pieces-out moves as you're, you're fine-tuning a roster. Yeah, and that's, and that's absolutely right. And that's, I think, what the, 
the key little adjustments, I don't say little because those are key pieces, but adjustments that you can make to roster. Obviously, like you mentioned, the McKinnons and McCarr and Landis guys, I mean, these guys are, are drafted players and, you know, elite level players, but then they, you know, Joe and his management team were sharp and, um, you know, knowing what the right fit was at the right time and when's the right time to pay a higher price. Um, when's the right time to pass on a deal and, you know, what's what's tricky is you see the moves that are made, but um, certainly nobody knows the moves that aren't made. You know, things that maybe you were close on and then you you said no to or just didn't come, you know, just didn't happen. So that's that's a piece of this as well. But, you know, I do think that um, as you grow and build your team and you feel that we're missing this one key piece or two key pieces um, to put us over the top, um, it puts you in a position then to be ready to do that. So that's what you know both those teams have done over the last couple of years. Speaking with Sabres general manager Kevin Adams on uh, the Western Hotline, if we're talking about a big piece and a, b- a big conversation this offseason, Kevin, I think a lot of Sabres fans are wondering what the plan might be in goal. H- how much of a uh, of a target is that going to be this offseason? Well, I think, you know, I've said this numerous times, and um, I'll say it again. I think there's a balance of how you put this together. You know, I've, I've, I really believe strongly that Craig Anderson, um, you know, he played. He gave us a chance to win when he was in the net. He played well, and he also gave our team confidence. And when you look at our young decor, um, just that kind of mentorship that he showed, um, I think really went a long way for some of our young defensemen. So we've made it clear um, we'd like to have Craig, um, you know, and just giving him the time to be with his family and, make his decision when he's ready. So, you know, that's step one, and then we'll go from there. I think what, what I can tell you is we're in on every conversation right now in terms of, you know, who's out there in, in the uh, trade market and what options are. We've prioritized our list. Um, I do ultimately believe that we have really, really strong internal answers, um, but and we have to be patient for that, but that doesn't mean in the short term that we shouldn't be looking at every option, which we will. But we do have a plan, and we're going to stick to our plan and be disciplined, um, you know, and we'll see how this shakes out over the next couple of weeks. You mentioned interest in bringing Anderson back. Is that as is the conversation with him as the starter, as, as a piece of the puzzle? How, how would that work ideally, do you think? Well, what I've, what I've you know, and the, the good thing is um, you have a very good relationship with Craig. You know, we've talked just between each other on the phone a bunch of times and obviously working through – contract negotiations with his agent i'm trying to put something together that maybe fits both of those meaning hey this is this is what we see in craig in terms of you know how he how he handles himself every day and if his body holds up and he's feeling great and he's playing well um maybe there's an opportunity to play more games so i don't want to limit it but i think you have to be you know with respect to craig and where he's at in his career you can't expect um him to be playing 60 games i don't think that's realistic so um, but I wouldn't want to limit it to guy either. You know, it kind of just depends on if he, if he comes back with us, how it will, how his body feels and how he plays. So um, we'll put that together. But I, I think that's where I go back to being in other conversations as well. Um, you know, we know, I do feel strongly that UPL is, what's the right way to say it? Um, moving along, you know, he took steps this year. He's had some injuries that have, you know, hurt him in terms of the amount of games he's played. Um, but, We'll see where he is you know, come training camp as well. So, you know, that's that's what we're going through right now. It's a fun time of year. There's a lot going on. Um, the nights are short, but, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks.
Kevin, as you guys look at goalies, you know, we were just going through some stuff from last year and a couple of years before. Um, I'm sure there's in-house numbers, analytics. You've got a team you've put together. Quality start percentage, goals saved above average. Are, are these numbers that, that you you take, um, I don't know, with a grain of salt? Do you like them a lot? Is is there any sort of evaluation about the goaltenders that just wins and losses? What is it that you're really looking at in terms of um, making sure you have someone that maybe you think can get this team I don't know, one or two more places up in the standings that could make the difference between being a team that just misses out on the playoffs versus maybe a team that does get in. Yeah, Jeremy, we look at all that. I mean, certainly look at, you know, you could look at just the the public data, just your straight-up numbers that everybody's seen for years and years and years. We look at our own, you know, more proprietary data that, you know, maybe our our, Sam Ventura and his group focuses on a little bit more. Obviously, um, talking to Mike Bales and giving his input on just from, you know, the expertise of what he's seen. And, you know, I ask a lot of questions after games, you know, when goals are scored, you know, say against us, like, well, why was that a goal? And, you know, and, and is it because our winger wasn't in the position? You know, there's so many different factors. So you're kind of balancing all that. At the end of the day, one of the things that I I like to think about is, does this player in that inspire confidence to his teammates and give our team the best chance to win a hockey game? The numbers will shake themselves out because ultimately the most important number is the wins and losses, um, you know, and that's what we we try to look at. So we balance all that, and then, you know, to your comment about, you know, a few more points or how that works, yeah, for sure we want to improve. We want to get better. We want to do everything we can to set ourselves up, um, you know, to be the best possible team we can. But we also just – have to be mindful of of our plan and the the long-term vision we don't want to compromise and do something for a few extra points in the short term that may come back to hurt us you know as we in the in the longer term so we kind of balance all those things and that's not easy but you know i've been honest with everybody that we're gonna we have a plan we're gonna stick with the plan and we're gonna do things the right way here I mean, I wanted to ask you about that, Kevin, because you've you've talked numerous times about you know not hitting the fast forward button, don't take shortcuts, and all that, and and roadblocks and everything. But I, I as a GM, I hear that and I get a little nervous, quite honestly, because I feel like you're making strides, right? I'm sure you feel you've got the right coach. You feel you've put together an improved roster. There's some good young talent here. There's some guys from Rochester who will be here next season. We anticipate. Why couldn't you spin a prospect or? one or two of your three first-round picks and, and improve the roster right away. It doesn't have to be – no one's saying you got to go sign a 35-year-old unrestricted free agent. But what would be the point of doing that? But when I hear, like, can't hit fast-forward, and it's almost like we're going to use three picks, we're going to just go to the draft, we're going to hit the floor, we're going to re-sign Anderson, and that's it. Well, I think you – that's definitely not what I said. Um, so I think you're looking at every single option out there. What I'm saying is you don't want to compromise um, and make a deal that you potentially um, set yourself back in the longer term. But look, there's a deal today that we think is the right thing for us, both from the short-term and long-term perspective. We, we're, we'd be all over it, and we're in all those conversations. Um, but, you know, the, the thing you got to look at is um, when you're acquiring some a player – and they come at a cost. And there's certainly, um, most of the time, the top, top players, especially at the goaltending position, are not going to be available. And if they are available, it's going to come at an extreme, extremely high cost. So, um, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, I would flip 
this and get this goaltender that's going to be, you know, just move the needle for you. Um, but that may not be exactly how it plays out. And then there's also unpredictability. You know, there's you look at goaltenders from year to year, there's ups and downs. And, um, you know, you may think you have the answer and it doesn't turn out that way. And then you've set yourself back. And that's what we have to be. That's our job to work through all that. So um, I'm not afraid of making a move if we think it's the right thing. It's just we're not going to go do something um, just to do it and then say, okay, now we're now we're going to be in a better spot. I think you just have to be smart and disciplined with how you look at those things. More from Sabres GM Kevin Adams when we return. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday right here on WGR. All right, our final segment here on Sports Talk Saturday. We're bringing you the rest of that interview with Sabres general manager Kevin Adams. Any opportunity, any conversations about maybe – uh, weaponizing, the term is often weaponizing cap space. You know, it's a flat cap. We've got teams that are relatively flat cap and teams that might be up against it. Teams uh, like the Buffalo Sabres that have a lot of room could maybe take on somebody else's short-term problem and get something for that. Maybe that's a draft pick. Maybe that's a goaltender. Maybe that's something um, that could help right away. So any any possibility that that could be used this offseason? Yeah, we had conversations around the trade deadline that we were in on um, that I had, you know, told teams this is what we'd be willing to do to be that, exactly what you just said. And um, it didn't end up materializing, which, you know, is the way things go sometimes. We are in that conversation right now with a potential opportunity. We'll see um, where that goes. Um, We certainly want to make sure we're exploring every opportunity. If there's there's a player out there that – uh, we think can help us, and also we, you know, know that uh, maybe it's in a tough spot for the team, um, and we're able to get another asset from them or two assets from them. That's conversations we're having right now. And then I'll even use the Bishop example. You know, it's uh, for, for me that was one of those where you know extremely low cash from our end. You get an asset, seventh round pick. Um, you know, look at our seventh round pick, uh, Kozak, that we took last year, ended up, you know, really popping this year, had a really good year in the Western Hockey League, is a legitimate prospect. So you're giving yourself, you know, a very low cash, an opportunity to make another pick. I also believe, you know, part of the Bishop conversation is you got to be careful as you put your roster together with not artificially um, overpaying to just put yourself in a spot, you know, to be compliant with the salary cap. You know, you don't want – you don't want to build your roster that way, so that helps there. And then the last part of that is you want roster flexibility. You know, is regardless of where the dollars end up being this year, um, you know we're going to have a lot of young players. We have entry-level players. If you don't have enough flexibility around the, the cap floor, you may not be able to make trades as the year goes on, ups and downs. So you just got to be careful of that. So that's part of the discussions and you know, kind of where we landed with Bishop when we did that. But we're in on those right now. Um, we have kind of some thoughts that we've given other teams, and then we'll see you know, over the next uh, you know, maybe 10 days here if it uh, comes to fruition. The bi- Yeah, the Bishop trade. is Basically, is that a version of insurance that you are going to be above the cap floor? And like you said, flexibility. Um, someone had suggested to me that you know, you're in contract negotiations with a the player. They know you need to get to a number so they can push their own number up if they know you need to get to the cap floor. Whereas if you have a, a, a contract like Bishop's, that's a little bit of insurance against something like that happening. Exactly. All of that. What I said plus that. Okay. You know, I, I mean, I, you can, I can promise you that uh, agents pay attention. <laughs> they, know, they know where you are in, in you know, salary and cap, and 
um, that may or may not have come up on a few phone calls with uh, with players that that we have and you know contract negotiate that kind of stuff. So yeah, just for us, it, it doesn't make sense to build your roster that way to say okay, you know this year we'll overpay just to get ourselves to a certain spot. I, I don't think that's sound business. So for us, it's to be discippointed to you know, do it appropriately and then also to give yourself flexibility. And would it be fairly safe to say, you know, living in the cap floor is uh, a function of kind of where the team is, that there will be contracts coming up, there will be bigger, longer-term investments due, that, you know, the, the life at the salary cap floor is not exactly long-term life for the Buffalo Sabres? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, you know, that's a, I'm glad you brought that up because this is more of a – function of the way our, our you know our plan and kind of how our roster is evolving um we've always been you know from from the day i've gotten the job it's been let's let's do everything we can from the pagolas every resource possible to make this the best possible organization we can be but right now it's about building this the right way and you know when you look at our roster and you see the amount of you know entry level and younger players that we have that's more the nature of it but um, now we have to be really disciplined because as you look fast forward and you start to think about, you know, Darlene and Power and all of a sudden Samuelson and Yoki Haru and these young D, and then you look at our forwards with Tage and, and Cousins, and then, you know, look at these guys as they start to come out of these deals. Um, these, are, these are key guys for us, and we want to make sure that we're able to keep this core together hopefully hopefully for a long time and you know the salaries will certainly um, change and I look forward and maybe Mark Jakubowski who does our cap every day is cringe but I look forward <laughs> to the day where <laughs> we're we're at that other spot and you're trying to figure out making sure you're flexible to be um, close to the cap but under it and uh, you know that's a good problem that means you have a lot of players that are here for the right reason and, and uh, you know we're excited moving forward with Kevin, what do you uh, envision with Victor Olofsson going forward? He's a restricted free agent. Do you see him as part of the core of this organization? Would you? I know you're not going to negotiate in media, but would you like to have him here over long term, year by year? What What is your thought process on Olofsson and his future? Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to kind of give insight to those negotiations, but we've had really good conversations um, with Victor and his agent uh, over the last week here. Um, you know, he clearly knows how we feel about him. And I think that you know, he's a guy that um, you know, battled through an injury um, and really came on late in the season and, um, you know, ended up just being one of these guys that, to me, elevated his game. I think Donnie and the coaching staff has really, really helped Victor in terms of his overall game. I mean, you know, obviously everybody knows his elite shot and his elite power play skills. Um, but I, I like the way he was performing at the end of the year and um, in all three zones and competing hard. So, you know, he's a guy that we're working on right now and um, look forward to hopefully getting done soon. Last thing for me, I want to just ask you, I know in, in the past you've talked about, uh, you know, the injury issues, like the soft tissue injuries and doing a deep dive into that. Maybe I know you have conversations with the Bills from time to time. Any progress on that front? Have you learned anything or got anything that you've figured out in terms of someone tweeted us about, you know, like UPL, staying healthy, and the soft tissue stuff. Where are you on that front, if you've made any progress at all? Yeah, so we have had numerous conversations. Uh, I've asked the doctors to kind of put and report together, which they did. Um, I had 
number of one-on-one -on -one conversations with our sports performance, you know, quickly after the season, just to go through kind of their thoughts and where we need to improve. Um, and then what I've done with that information is start to look at, okay, how do we put a better process in place on one, when an injury happens, you know, kind of putting a plan together and timelining that and what's the progression of that. And two, what's the communication around that, you know, and so making sure that we're, you know, the player, myself, um, the coaching staff, um, everybody's on the same page. And I think that will, you know, kind of point us in the right direction in terms of clarity. So that's kind of uh, the next step for us this summer. Um, but there's been a lot of questions. You know, I think what you have to do is really just look at the facts. Um, you can get frustrated by injuries. Um, look at last year in net. I mean, we had uh, whew, a lot. And, you know, if you guys can predict the future, and then I'll hire you right now, but it's, uh, it's, it's challenging, you know, to kind of go through that. So you have to take a breath, take a step back, and try to ask the question why. So that's what we've done this offseason. Um, and I think we're, we're going to work towards a better, you know, solution in terms of, you know, the, the communication around all that. So that's, that's, uh, that's an offseason um, job over the next uh, few weeks that we'll work on. And before we know it, it's going to be uh, September and we're going. But you know what? Before that, development camp's going to happen, which will be fun for our fans to get to see a lot of our prospects. Actually, all of our prospects and some guys that were on our team last year will be here. And I think that's uh, it'll be a fun part of the middle of the summer for everyone. And last one for me. We, I thought we might talk a little more about the draft, but we got a lot of other stuff. And you've got the draft <laughs> coming up and, and three first-round picks. So yeah. um, the class, do you guys have – do you guys do mock drafts? Is there a scenario where Sabres fans might be, I don't know, watching a move up? Do you, if somebody falls to a certain spot, do you, have you gone through the scenarios? With three picks, I mean, that's a lot of uh, flexibility on draft night. Yeah, this is a uh... – well, if you guys saw my office right now, I, I have like 50 note cards of different, you know, things that are going on at once. And um, it's really unique because when you look at where we stand right now, a top 10 pick, a middle of the first round pick and a late first round pick, really everybody's in play. And then pick 41 as well, you know, in the second round. So um, <laughs> it puts us in a really unique spot to where if we use all three picks where they, where they stand right now, you know, we have to be prepared for all different players. If we um, move up or down, you know, that could add picks. There's just all these different things going on. And I have had conversations with a number of teams in front of us and behind us about scenarios where we'd be interested in moving up, we'd be interested in moving back. Um, so it's exciting, and I think all that's in play. And at the end of the day, if we don't end up moving, doing anything with those and we make – three picks in the first round we're going to be pretty excited about the players we're getting our scouts really feel that this year's class is um you know deep in terms of the depth of talent where even you know our, our four picks in the top 41 we feel pretty strong they're going to be good hockey players for us well listen first thank you very much for your time this morning and uh hanging on with us for a while and two and very much enjoy i forgot this is your first actual real on the floor draft as a general manager. So have fun, like walking around and, uh, you know, gossiping with the other GMs or whatever you guys do during the draft. Hey, well, it's funny you say that because, yeah, it's like my third draft, but first one in person. <laughs> That's like right. Said. And, you yeah. know, I, I, I like, as I said, I have all these cards everywhere with things written <laughs> down on them. I don't think I can do that this year. So I'm going to be, uh, <laughs> I'm going to either have them hidden in my Sporco pocket or in my phone somewhere. And, 
Um, but no, I'm looking forward to it. I, I love it for our scouts, you know, all the hard work they do. Um, and it's, it's another opportunity for organization to get better. So it'll be a busy uh, couple weeks, but um, exciting. I lied. I have one more. Did Uh-oh. you did you have Joe Sackick's number before you became the GM, or did you get it as part of like the GM package? By the way, nice name drop earlier when you said, you know, I texted Joe Sackick after they won the cup. Good name drop. Yeah. Well, it's, you know what? It's a great question. I obviously I played against Joe for a number of years. He he was a lot better of a player, so I don't think I would have um, just like uh, I don't know. It's a great question. I think I got his number after I got the job. But I will say this about Joe: one of the <laughs> nicest people you'll ever you'll ever talk to humble um just a guy that you know at the gm meetings just to just to hang out and have a beer with or whatever and talk to um learn a lot you know i'm i'm lucky to have guys like that there's a number of gms that guys like steve eiserman joe sackick that you know i would have played against rob blake um these type of guys that uh are maybe just a little bit older than me um were a lot better players than me <laughs> so i ask a lot of questions and, and learned a lot from them but uh yeah so yeah, I won't talk about names anymore when I come out. No, you, you've got to. You've got to. <laughs> we like we like it. You know, I was having a conversation with Scotty Bowman the other day. No, name dropping is always fun. We appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin. Well, you know what I'll do? I'll, what? I'll name drop. Uh, I'll name drop in a little while when I when I have some conversations going on. I'll be like, "Hey, I was on with Howard and Jeremy." There you go. Perfect. You know, so there you go. Just the big celebrities in Buffalo. So I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> I bet you when you're texting Sackick, he's like, "No kidding, you're on with those guys." I listen on the app all the time. <laughs> Perfect. That's what I'll do. I'll be like, hey, Joe, just talking to Howard and Jeremy. You said hi. And, uh, yeah, so. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. Good luck. Yeah. Have a good day. Thanks. You too. Bye. Sabres GM Kevin Adams with us on the Western Hotline. That was Sabres GM Kevin Adams. Big thanks to all my guests today, including Aaron Quinn at Cover One. A big thanks to Ryan Talbot of New York Upstate in the Shout Podcast. Benjamin Albright, Broncos Insider at KOA Colorado. And John Ellis of Blue Wire pods uh i'm nate geary a big thanks for listening to us we've got local coverage everyone's off on monday howard and jeremy will be back with you on tuesday morning first thing so uh you can expect that have a great fourth of july weekend everybody and as always thanks for listening T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.